morning, good morning. It's, it's really lovely to see you all. Um, I think I've heard about five times, oh, I haven't been here for a while. <laughs> it's sort of this kind of strange confession that we all do, sort of. We are just occasional, we are an occasional community. We come, we don't come, and then we come again. That's just how we do it. Um, my name's Tamsin, and my pronouns are she and her, and it's really lovely to be here. Um, and how nice... We won't tell them, but how nice it is when the children move out. <laughs> we try and be a community that really just embraces it, the chaos of it all, but every now and then moving the chaos to another room is also a nice thing to do. Um, we have been in a series, as uh, Rod was saying, we've sort of got a series with like five elements to it and it's a series within a series and so it's not quite just one thing, um, but uh, one part of it has just been looking at ritual and looking at what do we do in our spiritual lives, in our collective lives, what are the things that we practice together and what are the things that we do on our own that centre or ground our lives um, and more specifically what that ground our lives around a story, a better story, a life-giving story, sometimes in complete contrast to everything around us, sometimes just a subtle nuanced difference to the story around us, but in our pursuit of a life-giving story that adds dignity and restores connection, um, what do we do? What's What constitutes our, our life and our spiritual life together? Um, and I thought I'd just start on a kind of a random um, little part of that. Is, is anyone sort of follows the liturgical year closely in their, their day-to-day? What? What? Um, uh, we are not a church that sort of gathers around very detailed sort of each week we read a, a scripture that's kind of come out of sort of this grand liturgy of how the church functions in the world. Um, but we kind of ebb in and out of it. We like, you know, around Lent, we will, we will connect with Lent and around um, Advent, we'll connect around Advent. Um, but in this rhythmed pattern that many churches, many Catholic churches, many other churches would be working with, we've got to this really great time called ordinary time. Anytime, I just love the term, we can all breathe out <sighs> for ages. If you look from, from all the way from sort of June all the way up to November, we've just got ordinary time. We can all chill out, spiritually just exhale for a while, um, but there's not too much spiritual hard work to do. <laughs> um, it, it kind of, uh, we did a series, speaking of other series, we did a series on ordinary time. There was really a, a series that stuck, just kind of, that honouring, oh, sometimes, or most of our life is kind of happens in this, this ordinary period. Um, but this period in the church kind of often is connected to engaging with the life and teaching of Jesus, that not peak events, but just the, the steady learning from this life that's recorded. Um, and interestingly, it's, gr- it's green, which is very intentional. If we were higher again, we would be clothed in green right now <laughs> to symbolise how ordinary this time is. But it's this, this kind of idea that in the quiet study and rhythmed, r- regular, yearly look at the life of Jesus, there is some growth in ourselves, in our collective selves and in ourselves personally, that this is a time of growth um, or just new life, new beginnings in the practice, the discipline 
of looking to the life of Christ. Um, so we are here together doing that, <laughs> looking at the life of Christ. Um, and we've been chipping away um, kind of really ad hocly, I might add, but um, uh, over the last little while of the story of Jesus, and which is presented so differently across the different um, Gospels. Um, sometimes you might think, is this even the same person um, that they're all talking about? But they've all got a reason why they're sharing a different angle of the same story that was passed along. So we're going to start in Matthew this week. Um, and <coughs> um, in our study time, um, I'll go back to this picture back here, actually. Um, the story in Matthew. And Matthew's quite... Uh, it's quite a big book. It's very, it's got a lot of gravity to it. It starts with the birth of Jesus. It's like a biography of someone really important. Um, and Matthew was uh, a Jew and would kind of writing for Jews, a tax collector whom um, Jesus had called to follow him. Um, uh, it's at the start of the book of origins of Jesus, the Messiah. So this is the big this person, Jesus, that Matthew is presenting is someone who is connected to a very long, hopeful, angsty hope of someone to come as a redeemer, as a rescuer, um, not only spiritually, but someone who would rescue the Jews out of a very sort of tumultuous occupation that they kept finding themselves in, that there was this hopeful look towards someone who would bring about new life and new life would look a certain way. Um, but Matthew kind of comes at it like uh, this this person, this Jesus, is that person that we have been looking for, um, but it might not be everything you had thought it would be. He might not say what you thought he might say or he might say it in a different way. Um, so we kind of have, that's kind of the context of a Matthew telling of the Beatitudes or at this point of the story, that for him... Jesus is someone and is someone of importance and is someone who's fulfilling something but also topsy-turving it at the same time. Um, <coughs> so with the, the Matthew, I'm going to start with a picture before we even go. Who's, at, who's the audience whom the Beatitudes are... Uh, this part of Matthew where it's the first time Jesus kind of starts to speak. And in Matthew, he puts him up. He says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down and the disciples had gathered around and Jesus began to teach. And in so many paintings, you'll see something like this. And I'm not super keen on the Jesus character in this painting. <laughs> I don't know, it just, just doesn't quite capture or resonate with me. So I kind of want us to, um, as we look at the context before we read, we're going to look at who who was in the crowd um, rather than uh, this pose. What is this pose? <laughs> yeah, um, this kind of glorious person at the start. Um, this is quite a, a famous painting by Karl Bloch. Um, but what I find interesting is just if we're looking at the context where this Beatitudes came, this woman down here on the bottom left um, and this sort of man on the right, um, they're kind of the more interesting parts of the painting to me. Um, who's hearing this and how are they receiving it and how do these words hit the crowd? Um, it looks like a little boy or a little person who's pointing to her as she thinks, grieves, is despondent, is hopeful, is is struck, I don't know, um, 
But in this depiction of this part of the story, we see there is a mixed crowd of people and who are going to hear the words in really different and interesting ways. I was always under the impression that, that the Beatitudes were just shared amongst the disciples, this kind of precious sort of information just for these important men. I don't know who told me that, but just was my impression. But the big, glorious mess of people um, is kind of how I like... That's why this picture back here as well. Um, like, what if this was the audience with which the Beatitudes, a big, glorious mess of people... Um, Matthew doesn't give too much account of who's in the audience, but um, we do get a sense, a better sense in, in Luke, which is the only other place that this story comes from. Um, so I'll just quickly explain the audience and then we can read it and let's, let's dive in. So in Luke, coming down the mountain with them, Jesus stopped in a level area where there are a great number of disciples, a large crowd of people was with them from Jerusalem and all over, as far north as the coastal town of Tyre and Sidon, people who had come to hear Jesus and be healed of their diseases and freed from unclean spirits. Indeed, the whole crowd was trying to touch Jesus because power was coming out of him and healing them all. Looking to the disciples, Jesus began. So in Luke's telling, we have this very sort of humble Jesus in the midst. But in Matthew, we have this great... Jesus, the someone, is speaking and we need to listen. So let's read the Beatitudes. Let's read this, um, this passage. Um, would anyone like to read it for me? I'd love a voice other than my own. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside. And after he sat down and the disciples had gathered around, Jesus began to teach them. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who are mourning. They will be consoled. Blessed are those who are gentle. They will inherit the land. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. They will have their fill. Blessed are those who show mercy to others. They will be shown mercy. Blessed are those whose hearts are clean. They will see God. Blessed are those who work for peace. They will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their struggle for justice. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are fortunate when others insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of slander against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, for your reward in heaven is great. They persecuted the prophets before you in the very same way. So this is a big start to sort of the teaching of Jesus um, that Matthew presents. Um, he's kind of come up to the top of a mountain very, very much and similar to that of Moses. So someone of significance is speaking in a way of great magnitude. Um, and then the content of it is this. This is what comes out. Uh, and... Um, it's interesting. It's just interesting. This translation is from the inclusive Bible, so it might be worded a, a slightly different to what you have grown up with or you've encountered before. Um, but what I thought we might do is just adopt our practice that we love to do, which is I notice and I wonder. Um, what do you notice about this? What's 
what's going on? What, what do you notice? Um, and what do you wonder? So what's sort of your curiosity? I say, I'm curious about how people in the crowd received it. Just, <clears throat> is this a good thing? Is this a hopeful thing? Um, is this a me thing? Is this an others thing? Um, but we often do it from up the front, but we might do it at tables today. We might gather around um, those who you're seated next to and just to share a little bit of what do you notice, what's interesting, what do you like, what do you not like, um, what words stand out to you. Um, let's take a minute or two just to have a little, there's no right, no wrong, there's just observing. So gather, find some people. I'll leave this up here. I can hang out with Corwin. All right, I might ask, would anyone like to share their noticing or wondering or paraphrase your neighbours sharing or wondering or noticing? Um, we, we talked uh, for... A, we are kind of struck by that, the last section, that be glad and rejoice at persecution and slander and struggled with the kind of almost masochistic quality, quality of that and the tension that exists in a, in a church where you know, we've got such a focus on flourishing and well-being and all of that and, and how do we hold that intention with that kind of idea or where's the place for that in a community like ours? Is it something that we reject or is it something that we hold intention? I don't know. We were talking a bit about that last section about the reward in heaven is great. And I'd mentioned my penty alarm bells had gone off on that one and how transactionally that's been described in the past and kind of wondering if they didn't have a concept of the afterlife and everyone just kind of went into Sheol, like what, what was he trying to say there? And I wonder if because the people he's talking to are poor in spirit, mourning, gentle, thirsting for justice, this was all one big reassurance of where they were at at the time. I, yeah, I don't know. Yes, kind of that, um, that interesting split of like, is this reassurance to the audi- those there or some instruction of what you're meant to go out and do then? Or it's, a really, it's been a really divisive interpretation or to, for a very, very long time. Um, yeah, what is this heaven? What is that? Now is it a great after, which I also have alarm bells. Anyone? Something that just struck out to me that I wonder about, this is just a personal previous interpretation that I've always read, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, as I've always attributed those who are people who are working to bring more social justice to the world, when actually... Uh, like Martin was just saying, these are the people who were suffering and struggling. Maybe they're hungering and thirsting for justice because they are at the ultimate bottom level and they're just there saying, this isn't fair, I don't stand a chance. Um, So that's just something that... um, Maybe they're not even conscious that they're searching for justice. They just notice the injustices and have no power to do anything about it. And that's quite a 
beautiful thing for him to acknowledge those at the bottom of the pile. Yes, that kind of taps into that same idea of like, this is an acknowledgement of those rather than just a, a moral instruction to everyone. Like there's this kind of two, you know, we all, that sort of, yeah, blessed are these people. This is not, they're not cursed or they, these people are, are blessed. Sorry. I'm kind of like, it, it just got me curious is like, you, you know, people in the religious day and they keep hearing all these like high and mighty religious sermons. It's like, oh yeah, it's about someone else, someone else. But I could imagine people listening to this and it's like Jesus going, oh, blessed are the poor. Like, oh, that's me. Oh, blessed are those who are, oh, that's me. And uh, yeah, it's just one thing I got. It's like, it's talking to the common people, not the religious elite, not the people that seem to have got it together, but just like the you know, the common people trying to struggle through living within an empire. And, and for a Jew, it's not blessed are those who follow Torah. He's not saying, you know, that, that which was perhaps what was previously thought was blessed. This is different. It's a reinterpretation. Something new is happening in these blessings. Exactly. That's okay. Um, one question we were kind of asking or thinking about was like, what does blessed mean in this context? Because it's kind of a phrase that gets thrown around a lot. And in our current day and age, hashtag blessed, you know, it can mean, and I think as well in this time, you know, people who follow Torah are wealthy and have good things happen to them or whatever, you know, that could be, or like the, the story of like, why is this child deaf or blind or whatever? Oh, something his parents did. It's that kind of, again, transactional, thing and it's about getting wealth or getting whatever it might be so just what is his meaning of of blessed here and yeah trying to get to the what does that actually mean for these people i know i was looking up the translation and it's like very happy i'm like is that what it means i don't know <laughs> like it's a great question we'll, we'll jump into that in a minute um, I was thinking about how this compares to, um, you know, lots of positive affirmations you see around, you know, when people put stickers and posters on the place. They're often the things that are just in that first part of the sentence. So, you know, be gentle or be peaceful or work for peace. And this is, each time, has got something much more concrete at the bottom. So there's, it's not just something that might happen or a goal you might work towards. It's actually, this is what will happen, you know. If you're poor in spirit kingdom of heaven will be yours if you're mourning you will be consoled it's it's much more definite i think yeah and a really big wondering i have is who is going to be consoling you know like is this just god that magics in to can do it or is it somehow in stating this everyone's swept up that we are all if this is true then we are swept up in the consolers who yeah I'll, I'll jump back to you in a minute, Martin. I just, like, looking at this, it feels very call and response, which I really like. And I think that's a really, like, effective form that, like, you've got the list of all of the things that are wrong and there's an answer for everything. Um, and it's really positive and sometimes unexpected, like, especially at the beginning there, like, being poor in spirit, that the answer to that is heaven, and when you're mourning, you will be consoled. Like, it's quite profound, the answer that you find. And that 
the result of that, like after Jesus has said all of these things, that you're, the conclusion is that you're fortunate, and I, which is just really interesting and I think ties together some of the things that we've been talking about. Yeah, I really like that. Martin, what do you like? The one in that initial paragraph that I have no idea what interpretation to take is the hearts are clean, they will see God. It feels like, to me, quite an odd one out. The others are very like, this is your circumstance, this is what's happening. <laughs> what is hearts are clean and how are we to take that? without a perfectionist uh, blue balls faith. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really, yeah, that one does, it's like the jarring, what are the jarring words, and the, especially for our, we're reading it in context here, and that sort of uh, cleanliness, purity, ethical kind of, you know, down the line, and who defines that um, is a jarring text here in our context. That's so interesting that you pointed that out. I think that's such a standout part of it, isn't it? It's like, what does that mean? And as a lawyer, I've had to train to know what that means. You know, do I approach my enemy, do I approach my opposition with clean hands? As a legal term for it, you come to court with clean hands. So you will have battle and you will have that. Come to court with clean hands. You know what I mean? It's hard because... We've all got dirt. So, but it's really cool that you said that. Good on you. Yeah. And, and an interesting kind of take on all of this is this is Jesus as wisdom teacher um, so that the unpacking of it is part of the sacred act of this, that what the, like the act, what we're doing, we're pulling it apart, we're trying to feel, feel out what it means this is not given and fleshed out in its entirety. Um, the rest of the sermon goes into all sorts of wonderful, um, there's like, it's a big, big teaching block, but, um, but the fleshing out of a wisdom teacher, wisdom happens not just in someone is wise, it's wisdom emerges in the unpacking and the, there's something sacred happening as we look at it, you know, and apply it or figure it out. Any other thoughts just before we... Hi. Thanks. Um, I also um, am grappling with the last, the first line of the last paragraph. Like in, um, in this time, we have a bit more privilege to sort of push back against uh, persecution in certain circumstances, and and to sort of see that written that you're fortunate when you're being persecuted, and so if if you Stand up for yourself and and uh, don't get and and end the persecution. Does that mean no reward in heaven? I might be a little bit literal there, but yeah, yeah. And the the caveat kind of I guess or something that we a lens we always look is the we try and be trauma informed here. You know that um, and to tell someone who's encountered trauma to be gentle. And to be meek is incredibly hard. Like, we have more perspectives that we come to this with of going, oh, that is not life. We would argue that telling someone who's been, who's lost their agency to be gentle, because that's, God will honour that. That's so, you know, you go, oh, that's not life-giving. So there's kind of that 
view of this was going to a certain group of people for whom were under a certain occupation, um, there's the respect of that. And then there's the whole other work of, well, how does that affect us now and how do we wrestle with it now? Um, <coughs> so the, this great word, as Martin was saying, this wonderful word of um, blessing, what does it mean to be blessed? Um, is it sort of a God, you know, oh, I've come to bless you, blessed are you? Um, the word is makarios. Um, and Makarios is, is really, uh, everyone, looking it up, everyone's like, it's a really hard word to translate in English. English hasn't got really good words for the nuance of blessing. Um, some people translate it, you might see, as happy, which is pretty confront. you know, happy are those who are mourning. No one would, you know, that, that feels incomplete, um, that term, I would say, but it's possibly... Um, Happy, uh, fortunate. That also feels pretty jarring. Fortunate that those who are persecuted or fortunate. Luke's version is like pretty blunt of just blessed are the poor, not even in spirit, just blessed are the poor or the destitute. It sort of takes out all the extra parts. Um, but fortunate are the poor. That's pretty jarring. Um, but that's one take on this Makarios term. Um, another interpretation is uh, blessing is in a state of shalom or all is well um, or they are living the life of someone in shalom or in flourishing again they're not we would argue oh they're not actually living but jesus is saying no these people are blessed these people are the ones who are in the state of flourishing they are in the elevated place another way might be looking at it is that blessed is a way of saying honoring um, honoured are those in this society which feels a little more resonant. Honoured are those who are gentle. They are given some space and room and recognition right now. Honoured are those who are grieving. They are given this place of recognition. Um, so this guy called Jonathan Pennington... He loves this word flourishing. And then he's also said, like, since he put out his book, everyone uses the word flourishing. It's kind of lost its power. That's kind of, it's one of those little sort of terms that go, gets hijacked by the well-being sort of community. But he was saying that it's pronouncement of a, perhaps closer to the hashtag blessed, like, oh, dare I say, please erase that. But, but kind of like closer to that way of using it. You know, when we, someone would use hashtag blessed, um, there's, oh, your life is, it, it is the aspired life, you know, if you're, it has, it is reverent, is revered in our view of the world, it is a revered, a revered life, um, according to this one story that we live by, these are the things that are blessed. Um, and that kind of comes, I think, for me, really helpful to this whole idea of story, um, another story. So there, Jesus is kind of coming in, crashing in, top of a mountain, statements, kind of declaring the land of another story and who gets the hashtag blessed tag in this other story, it is going to blow your minds because it is not whom you would think it might be. This term makarios was used in the Greek literature for the gods, you know, that they were seen as the great gods are Makarios. They are blessed. They are elevated. They are revered. They are showing the signs of being the important ones. Um, 
and this was common, that, that that term was used for those in significance, in power. It would often be associated with this kind of, uh, kind of respect of those who have influence or control in their space. Um, but Jesus just flips it all over, just saying, oh, no, in that story, the blessed are these. In this story, the blessed are these. <clears throat> and then we look at today and say, okay, in this story... The blessed are who? Um, the other part of this whole idea, I'll go back to one slide, um, is do we take these as observations or sort of ethical instructions of how we live our life? Um, I think it's two parts. I think part of this is the blessing of others and recognising who is on the margin that Jesus floods with honour and respect um, and dignity and declares them to be the ones who are the place of the inbreaking of God. They are, that person is the place of the inbreaking of God. The grieving, they are the place where the inbreaking of God happen, which that feels truer to me. Um, the, the gentle, which is incredibly sometimes disempowering, but there is the inbreaking of God. It's happening and it's going to continue to happen and form a new story that way. Not that way. Coming in and breaking in that way. Um, yeah, so, so in a few weeks we might look at, like, what are the postures we adopt that kind of coincide with Jesus' value system? But it's kind of different, you know, like we're not looking at, oh, how can, how can you be meek today? You know, Yanni, like how can you be, you know, how can you be poor? I can, oh, give me your money, I'll, I'll show you how to be poor. Um, but we're not looking at the, what do we do with this personally now and, it, you know, what, how can I live my life according to this value system? It's the first half, who is blessed? Who is on the margins? Who in this new story are the points where God breaks in? And then what are the blessings that are pronounced to those people? So the kingdom of heaven, so the kingdom of, of God's or the divine, desire, the divine way of being things, of shalom, as all intended to be, you know, all is well, is kind of this idea of shalom, um, the wholeness or completeness, things are well. They're going to be consoled, perhaps by the spirit, perhaps by one another, there's this Beautiful image of consolation. Inheriting the land. No one picked that up, but I sort of also, like, with our Indigenous, you know, awareness of going, who's going to inherit the land? You know, that's not a term we use in our desires. I want to inherit the land. Um, but they will have their fill. Um, but these were people in an occupied land who their land had been taken from them. They will have their fill. They will be shown mercy. They will see God. I love that. They will see God. Um, who, where, who are the people who are going to see God? Those on the fringes, whom this breaking in is happening, they will see God. Um, and the disciples, I would say, are, or the 12 disciples are perhaps recipients of this, but learners of this. Where is the divine inbreaking going to happen? Where is the wisdom of this new covenant breaking in? It's going to be in really different places than you perhaps had imagined. Um, and that is reassuring. <laughs> like it's not going to be in these elevated, in the temple places. It's going to be right around the fringes. Um, they will be called children of God. 
and the kingdom of heaven is theirs is repeated. Um, beautiful beautiful book that um, Rod has put, put me on to is Brian McLaren's We Walk the Road by Walking. But he sort of summarised, before Christianity was a rich and powerful religion, before it was associated with buildings, budgets, crusades, colonialism or televangelism, it began as a revolutionary, non-violent movement, promoting a new kind of aliveness on the margins of society. And I sort of wanted us to take the second part of it as we look at the blessings context of Jesus looking at a crowd of messy people and declaring, the blessings are coming in. I'm going to declare you blessed and you blessed and you blessed and you who are overwhelmed are blessed and you, like, have just, you in this context, you are the ones and the blessing is not just statement, it's promise that will start to, things will occur to bring that about. How? I have no idea. But <laughs> that's, um, so the, promoting a new kind of aliveness at the margins of society. And that's the bit that we get to play with each generation of people. Who are, where is this aliveness at the margins of society and how do we align ourselves with that? How do we, are we reassured by that? Are we in moments? And the dominant story of our time right now, um, which is a series that, you know, Shane's sort of touching on, but it's, it promotes a certain type of person as the blessed ones as the together ones, as the ones with, with property, as the ones who can work, as the ones who can kind of survive in this chaotic life of just who can thrive in these places. Um, and who are the blessed ones? Who are the ones where this crazy ideal, idealism of, of the new kingdom that Jesus is holding, who are those in our world now? Where are the margins? Where is the aliveness breaking in at the margins? And because I'm really good at PowerPoints, diagrams, as you've seen, I'm, and I'm, I've made one. Woohoo! <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Bear with me. I've got. I've got a trajectory to go ahead. Um, yeah. What was that? <laughs> Who knows what this is? It's a circle. <laughs> it's Jesus. <laughs> All I was just, I just think it's just interesting. We'll, we'll flesh it out of like, um, even next week, we're going to look at just the kind of this bigger picture of God who crosses these boundaries in beautiful ways. Um, but the kind of the blessing on the margin that breaks in the God's restored dream for people, all of us, um, who are on the margins that we call blessed that perhaps our story does not call blessed? Um, I think I, I always stumble on, I have a neighbour who's, um, who's last rounds of chemo for stage four cancer and life has been turned over upside down because of it. Um, the image of a life that he had is no more and now he, he's living in this other world. And I, and I think of like, would Jesus have said, blessed are you in the midst of this pain because you will find love or you will find God. You know, would like it kind of, it starts to get um, that prickly feeling of like, you know, blessed, uh, get, get emotional. Like, um, yeah, like blessed are you who have not, not found what you've wanted. You are in grieving these small parts of your life because you will find meaning. I don't know how, but the promise of Jesus in breaking through these 
weaker ways or these broken ways or these grieving ways. The promise is this is the way in the spirit will come in sideways and produce this green or this growth life will come this way. Bless you who are very lonely because you will find love or you, I, I don't even know you will see God. Um, bless you who are, who are trying the path of gentleness in your relationships, you know, for you might see, have insight or compassion. I, I don't know the this is a, the living blessings of our time that are different to the blessings that Jesus spoke to that crowd. Um, but I thought today what we might do just to finish off is <clears throat> as a practice, we're talking about rituals and practices, um, and we'll look at postures of this, of how we adopt the, the practices or the ethics perhaps in our lives. Um, is We have candles here, and um, if you want to, before we come to communion, um, <clears throat> light a candle as a blessing for someone on the margin, and that may be you of you know, blessed am I who are grieving, you know, for I will be consoled. That will happen. That sort of proclamation of something true in an upside-down blessing of something that is true. But it could be for someone for me like my neighbour of just blessed is he because he will find love and I don't know how he's going to find it, but that is true according to the principles of this kingdom that Jesus inaugurated this new path, this new way of living in the world. So there's room to create an internal blessing of yourself and light a candle in solidarity with that statement that you've got um, to bless someone on the margins um, that new life might break in for them and that might be you as well. And something beautiful happens when we call out together and collectively something someone is blessed that is that is a powerful thing I'm going to finish with a, a reading um, uh, by a wonderful Catholic theologian called Elizabeth Johnson um, Catholic feminist theologian bit of a firecracker which I always appreciate and she talks about um, spirits of fear so wisdom breaking in um, God is God as spirit Sophia the mobile, pure, people-loving spirit who pervades every wretched corner, wailing at the waste, releasing power that enables fresh starts. Her energy quickens the earth to life. Her beauty shines in the stars. Her strength breaks forth in every fragment of shalom and renewal. From generation to generation, she enters into holy souls and not-so-holy ones to make them friends of gods and prophets thereby making human beings allies of God's redeeming purpose. We can say this. Sophia God dwells in the world at its centre and at its edges, an active vitality crying out in labour, birthing the new creation. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. <laughs>